hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I'm very pleased you're not privy to the conversation we've had for the last hour between episode one and two. I am still here with the glorious Matt Michaels. Say hello, Matt. Hello. Uh, how are you feeling after the last hour's conversation? I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. Episode two. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes, well, so we're about to uh, see one of the iconic monsters of Doctor Who making its first Tom reveal. Tom Bur- <laughs> I thought that was Tom Baker, late Tom Baker. Who wrote this horse shit? <laughs> um, I am ready to go if you are. I am. God, that's very quick, very quick. Oh, by the way, very quickly, sorry, we didn't do this in episode one, and we probably should have done. Should people wish to find you online, where would they need to look? Uh, on Twitter, my handle's at the underscore Cybermat, with mm-hmm. two Ts. Um, and that's my basically my social media presence. And then my website, uh, where I do daily Doctor Who reviews, is matthewmichael.org. And it's called Next Episode. And it's a sort of episode by episode watch through of Doctor Who. Essentially, if you like um, very, uh, no, don't you look shy about this. If you like very smart commentary on Doctor Who, uh, then follow uh, Matt's Twitter handle. And if you like hot running selfies, also follow Matt's <laughs> Twitter profile. Because you're going to get When both. you say hot, he means like red in the face and sweating, I think. <laughs> That's very hot for some people, you know. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> Let's go into episode two in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Ooh, down the time tunnel. Boy. <laughs> I've just noticed for the first time that he's wearing he, your least favourite costume in these titles. He's wearing his orange. Is um, he? Yeah, Time Monster. Costume. But he has got like his fabulous um, Wings of the Mother Hen cloak on as well. Covering he it. does. And he's doing a sort of Servant of Sutek pose. <laughs> <laughs> look at Sarah. Look, look. I mean, straight off the bat. Get off. So I'm going to ask you a question now about the Sontarans. Um, one, yes. do you think they are an effective villain? And two, what do you think about. The I'm going to give you my opinion now. Incredible mask that he has in this. Um, <laughs> Matt keeps sticking his tongue out. Action. Sorry, that the, the tongue action that he does there always always gets to me. Um, I just need a moment. Uh, what do I think of the Sontarans? That I think they are one of the top three, aren't they? They're yeah. the Daleks, Sontaran Cybermen, that the Sixth Doctor talks about in oh trial would you put them in that in that order Daleks, Sontara and Cybermen I I think they are I don't I don't think they are as iconic as the this is a brilliant scene um I've only got Spitzfire I've only got one thing to say to you Matt why don't you take off that ridiculous gear and go home to your butcher's shop Oh, Reminds me of a Julian and Sandy joke where. Go on. He says, 
my charcuterie. He goes, your butcher? Oh, he thinks I duck it. it must be the way I've had my hair done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, we just missed the butcher shop line. What do I think of the Sontarans? Um, yeah. Yeah, that, I, I think as a monster, that design is everything like it is with the Daleks, to be honest. If you didn't have that sort of design and they were just some ranting space Nazis, it wouldn't have the same impact. So I think they are deservedly popular. Um, they're, they're sort of a bit different than the, the Daleks and the Cybermen because they're sort of just a race of soldiers so you can do all, all the stories. Cybermen always are sort of in a desperate race for survival and to convert us and the Daleks are always on a sort of galactic conquest <laughs> and exterminate all other life. It's quite nice to just have like a, a monster that's built for war. They're just built to fight, yeah, they just they? want to have a scrap. They're just scrappy little trolls, basically. Um, Do you so think that... the design of them, because, like, I don't know if I've another controversial opinion now. Maybe not controversial, I don't know. I think the design gets steadily worse every single time they come back. So I think the Sontaran experiment's a bit weaker than this. The Invasion of Time one's a bit weaker than that. The Two Doctors one is a bit weaker than that. And the new series ones, I think they're kind of the closest to this as you're going to get. But I don't like those yeah. blue, those blue padded costumes that they wear. No, I mean, I think I think one thing they get right in the new series is that yeah, they absolutely base <clears throat> the masks on on links specifically. I think um, same sort of skin tone. They don't have that weird sort of chalky um, style yeah. mask, which looks a bit more square. Um, and mostly they're played by Dan Starkey. I know Chris Ryan plays a couple of them, but it's usually one actor playing them all, which which works um, pretty well. But yeah, I don't particularly like the blue armour. I don't particularly... I don't want to sound down on the Paternoster. Oh, if you're going to talk about... Enjoy them. If you're going to talk about Strax... I think that that was a, a really that was a creative error. I don't think he's funny, and I don't think the con the Sontaran should have been reduced to this like comedy sidekick no. character. I, I think it makes it hard to do a, a proper Sontaran story anymore because Strax is may, maybe less so now because it's been a few years since he's been on the TV show. But I think for a long time it sort of took them off the table as a monster that you could really do anything serious with i think they had to sort they basically got relegated to the sarah jane adventures because they were sort of safe like yeah. the Slidine, they, they were stuff that wasn't too scary for kids do you know that that uh Sontaran in uh the third well, i can't know what they are, the last Sontaran. yes he was i think he was the best Sontaran from the new series like as a whole oh he still had like that facial scar, didn't he? And there's Definitely a sequence like in that they tie it into the Sontaran stratagem where his ship got away when the Sontaran ship exploded in the Sontaran stratagem. Yeah. And he's like got like green blood all down his face. Like it's yeah. not that safe in comparison to Strax, who's just like relieved. Yeah. And yeah, so 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 I I kind I agree with you without wanting to sound like a party pooper, I think it was a bit of a creative error in a way that actually madame vastra doesn't stop you telling they didn't it doesn't stories, stop you yeah. using the silurians really because she's 
not treated as a joke, whereas Strax is a bit of a joke character. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of the more effective new series um, versions. Just after, I mean, the new series Daleks are just a design. They, they just yeah. nailed it. Well, uh, but then right, at until, the other extreme, until you get those, um, the victory of the Daleks well, ones. Well, yeah. oh, we don't my. talk about the new Dalek paradigm. Um, <laughs> but then the flip side is that they never, I don't think even the, the classic series really settled on the Cyberman design, and the new series is very much like the keep. Yeah. They keep changing it, as with the Daleks, it feels like. They sort of got it right, and they didn't really need to do. Well, you see that, that, that knight on the it. screen right now, uh, uh, Lynx's knight. He looks a bit like one of the new series Cybermen, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird, isn't it? Nightmare in Silver has elements that are quite similar to this, with the sort of futuristic aliens marching around an old castle kind of thing. How could kids but, resist this, though? How could children resist this? You've got uh, like a fiery woman, a robber baron, an alien, and a robot. Like, it's just gorgeous. It, it looks absolutely gorgeous in terms of costume design. And the, the sets are convincing as well. And the, yeah. the story's just moving along really nicely as well. So there's a sort of... Um, line of critical um analysis that, that reckons that Lynx is a bit of a pastiche of the third doctor so he's an alien trapped on a primitive planet drafted in as a scientific, scientific advisor, advisor to a military organization <laughs> and constantly constantly getting irritated by the military boss that he's been forced to, to work with but has a bit of a sort of grudging that's really that's a really clever like reading yeah I, I, and it's you know there's enough similarities and enough common points there that it's it's hard to sort of completely disagree that that's sort of somewhere in robert holmes's thinking when he was doing do you it. remember in season seven where the doctor and the brigadier were like biting at each other all the time yeah it's like links and iron in this absolutely yeah but what what amuses me particularly is I know Link sort of needs Iron Grom, but you also get a slight sense that he kind of has a he likes him for for an inferior member of an inferior species. Link's quite enjoys his brutality well, and bloodlust. He doesn't need Iron Grom anymore, and could just take off in episode four. But he goes to him and says, "I am going to yeah. take off. This castle's going to be reduced to nothing." Yeah get out now you know and he's like oh he is a toad who knows what a toad thinks <laughs> and, and you sort of if links really hated iron body could get rid of him and and do what he needs to via other means but it sort of suits him this also is... i think he's quite enjoying all of this kind of um petty warmongering as well. well he deliberately goes doesn't he to watch iron Grom do the siege on yeah. the castle because he likes playing war games yeah. just for a laugh i mean that that's one of the things that makes the sontaran specifically i guess links um just so brilliant is that they're not just a random burbling monster yeah. but it's a real character and i think that ties into this almost feeling like 
Robert Holmes's audition piece for um, becoming script editor. This is very much like a prototype Tom Baker story. It's sort of got a, a historical setting, which is something the series hadn't really had, part, apart from a couple of episodes of The Time Monster, which is yeah. a sort of we marginal case. Hasn't really done it since the War Games. Yeah. I, lo um, I love this, that line there. You cut off in his head and still it wriggles. I mean, it was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? It just sort of waves its arms about. And I love, I love how um, Lynx has got little tufts of hair. He's got it. In, well. He's got it in his ears. And if you just look at me yeah. right now, look, I'm, I've turned forty, and I've got little Lynx tufts as well. <laughs> Have you got probing vent? Uh, yes, I, I, I try and. <laughs> I try and keep it as secure as possible. <laughs> and it, you know, because it's behind, I'm very aware of being attacked. You know? Well, you never oh. turn your back on your enemies. <laughs> or they never turn their backs on me. Um, the, the Lynx mask, man, how can I return from that? The Lynx mask, it conveys emotion. That's that is astonishing, yeah. um, like prosthetics for the time. Well, what is it you want? Oh, no, totally. It feels like, um, they they got it pretty much spot on with the um, Ogrons and the Draconians, but this feels like even an evolution from, from that. It's got real, it hasn't got loads of articulation, it's largely quite static, but if you can move his mouth, you can see the eyes. Um, but you know what they've the done as well? They, they've sprayed the skin so it looks kind of, it glistens, so it, it looks like, yeah. like an actual person's skin looks. Whereas I find, like with Steyer, it he kind of looks like a dehydrated prune, you know? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. He looks a bit, he looks like he's not well. Uh, he looks like an ill Sontara. He's he got mange good. or something. Yeah. Oh look! No, I think I think this, this this feels like it's set it's set in the past. The Doctor's hugely witty, but even more than that, it hasn't got like the the generic. And I say generic, I mean they're basically all the same. All the Sea Devils are basically the same. Yeah. Um, this is a character. Right? A, he, he's, he's not a just a monster. He's this a is person. it's like the Dalek yeah. and Dalek in uh, Chris Jefferson's first season. Yes. That Dalek is a character. And I think Absolutely. basically every Sontaran after this suffers a little bit. I quite like um, the one in uh, The Two Doctors, where he's like, he's always got his hands on his hips and he's like, yeah. you know, it is not easy being commander, you know, and he's a bit, basically a bit Dad's Army-ish, but he, he's, he's yeah. a character, but very often they're very samey, and I know that's kind of the idea. Yeah. Oh no, but it's yeah, rubbish. I, it's rubbish. I love Rubish. What's the point of him, though? <laughs> like, he serves no purpose. I don't know. It, it, you could almost get away with... I mean, it, it's basically like having someone doing a Patrick Troughton impression for the story. A little, little funny guy with a bow tie wandering around being eccentric uh, in the background while the third Doctor goes in. Except Patrick Troughton didn't, didn't, I just love uh, didn't have a sex comedy line like, what is it? Young girl? I would have thought he was too I old. Have for that. Been old for that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, there's a lot of like sex jokes in this. Yeah. Because um, somewhere else when when Sarah Jane sort of escapes, uh, I think Iron Gordon or Bloodaxe says, "Oh, one of my guards will grab her by the tail or something." And just, don't they talk about like reproduction at one point as well? Yeah, you have a you have a primary and a secondary reproductive system. System is an inefficient system. You should change it. <laughs> it's like one of bloody Moffat's sex comedies. It is very. Oh my god! Listen to Dudley Simpson going mad on the old keyboard there. Yeah. I, I always find Dudley Simpson's music. I, uh, there are exceptions, but oh man, it's like a freaking comfy blanket around my shoulders. If I can hear, you know, beginning of nightmares, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in for a good time. I, I, I'm a big sucker for the. Um, oh, beg your pardon. For Peter Howe. <laughs> You're a big sucker for Peter Howe. <laughs> well, particularly the death zone on on Gallifrey. <laughs> No, that music in it, where the Cybermen come out and it's like, um, dun, 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 dun. It's like, it's proper disco. It's awesome. I've got that soundtrack on my phone. So do I. Let's listen to that later. I love like how Sarah Jane's now hobnobbing with the gentry. So she's now doing, she's doing the doctor. The stuff that the doctor would typically do. Yeah. But um, I love it. She's completely in with Dot Cotton, isn't she? Like, yeah. So, so Dot Cotton's like, this is a woman that knows what she's talking about, unlike my useless husband. But Barry Letts says, oh. if if he could, he would have liked to have extended this to six parts and given her a more central role. And I think she, she probably could have had a more central role anyway, even at four parts. Yeah. What sort of? lesbian subplot with sarah jane of course well whilst Absolutely. you know i mean we're touching on sex comedy so we could have scenes with uh sarah and lady eleanor a bit like barbara nero in the romans yeah Ooh, going through the corridors <laughs> oh, running around in their wimples yeah i mean matt look at her, her husband Sarah J is a oh, much please. better option. Uh, well, I love someone calls her like that narrow hipped vixen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she's not produced any sons for. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder whether there's like a, there's like a sort of rumor that Edward the Confessor was was um, was gay, um, and he had no. No children. I wonder whether there's a sort of possibly they're calling him Edward because of Edward the Confessor and, and Robert Holmes being intellectual, or whether it's just a complete coincidence. Around sort of the 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 sticking a pin in the time period here, Robert Holmes is uh, masterfully vague, isn't he? I mean, in episode four, and I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be that fan. But obviously, there are anachronistic potatoes making an appearance. Well. We've got one on screen talking to the doctor. Right? <laughs> oh, I had a jacket potato yesterday. Look, just like that. Yeah. 
Oh, the Rutan, the perpetual war between the Santorans and the Rutans has spread to this tiny planet. Now, this is something that Robert Holmes does very well, and that is uh, he manages to take what is obviously, you know, a cheap show, but put it on a vast canvas yeah. and, and add lots of detail and make it feel like yeah. a million times. Think of Reboss Operation, which is this very small-scale story, but he paints a, a picture of the entire planet. So you feel as if you've yeah. seen something a lot bigger than what you've actually seen. It's huge. And we've just heard Gallifrey mentioned for the first time as well. So again, he's talking about Lynx has heard of Gallifrey and has not got much respect for its military um, ability to withstand an invasion, which is amazingly paid off um, five years time. later. Yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it, as well, because they're really kind of mythologizing the show at this point. Like back in the black and white years, they were just sort of telling stories. Now we've got like big chess pieces that they're putting on a board. Yeah. And from this point on, we're going to keep moving those pieces around. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think Robert Holmes is a master of that. He's a master of painting stuff beyond what's achievable on the BBC budget. So he does it in um, the Talons of Wang Chiang, all the stuff about the 51st century and the time agency, oh, yeah, which yeah, is just yeah. throwaway. It's a little bit of backstory for Magnus Greel. And yet the new series, uh -huh. is, like River Song and Jack and the time agency is, is a huge, huge thing. And he does it with, um, with uh, Morbius and the Time Lords and starts to, because he sort of rewrote, didn't he, Brain of Morbius? So he starts to create that idea that the Time Lords aren't actually this glorious technological race that they were cracked up to be. I think he is directly responsible for the Time Lords uh, going from godhood to yes. the most corrupt race. <laughs> By the time you get to the ultimate foe, they're like politically corrupt, they're scientifically good, they're throwing planets off orbit. They're making deals yeah. with darker versions of the Doctor. Like, what does it say? They're still in the nursery compared to us. Compared to us. Um, I th I, and I think it's... Um, I think it's like... Oh, oh he's directly responsible, sorry, for the Timeless Child. Because he introduces the, the faces of yeah. the Doctor before William Hartnell. So thanks, Robert, for that. Yeah, but like, Which Robert Holmes... Okay, now people... <laughs> People, people dismiss the Timeless Child thing as like it's 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 destroying continuity. Robert Holmes and Terrence Sticks did that all the time. They oh, wrote yeah. the Doctor Who they wanted to write. They weren't writing it for fans. They were writing it to put out a good story. And if it all tied yeah. up, great. If it didn't, we don't care. We're still going to put the two Doctors out there. Well, yeah, the, the War Games <laughs> completely. The War Games completely answers why the Doctor left Gallifrey, it introduces the Time Lords. It basically, if the War Games was the very final episode of the entire classic series, it'd be, yeah, it sort of yeah. answers the, the questions. And then the Deadly Assassin completely turns some of what we know on its head and introduces new stuff. So yeah, I think the continuity of the show is always evolving. And I think, I think maybe a bit unfairly, but a lot of the 80s, rather than inventing... Yeah new things they rely on what has been done in the past and i kind of think that's why there's not that much from the 80s that's brought back in the new series there's lots from the 60s and 70s it's true yeah it's really that, true that what is there you tell me what is there that's truly like truly original 
I think they mentioned the Eternals yeah. once from Enlightenment. Yeah. Um, I think a Terralactyl spaceship's mentioned in the bit. But it's all like, it's like little yeah. throwaway comments. There's nothing like, I, I guess Rassilon gets introduced in the Five Doctors, That's having true. only been mentioned in. Um, but in terms yeah, of like, in terms of like the big things that they brought back, it's like the Daleks, yeah. Simon, the Master. It's the seven, the sixties and the seventies, isn't it? Yeah, and I guess you know part of that's because that's when the show is at its peak popularity. But I do think a lot of it is because even in the eighties they were just bringing back stuff from the sixties and seventies rather than yeah. creating genuinely well, exciting new stuff. I kind of wish they'd bring back Seal. You know, I think Nabil Shaban is still up for it. Yeah, I can see that. The Rani would be fun, but Mrs. rendered the Rani. Sort if of I hear one more, one more freaking guest cast played by a woman announced, and someone says, it's the Rani! I'm like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, now that they've done Missy, it's, you kind of wonder why. I know the Rani and the Master are not the same character. But... You remember I told you about that uh, that very hot video on YouTube? This sequence yeah. plays a big part in it, you know. I need a hero. I'm holding up for a hero to the end of the night. Sorry. Was it also directed by Alan Bromley? No, it was directed by Stuart Humphreys, a much finer director. <laughs> Alan Bromley. But like I said... On location, I think he's doing a better job. Look, he's, yeah. even, he's even... And that cliffhanger wasn't bad. I, I always forget where the cliffhangers are in this, because we were saying yeah. um, just before we started recording that I think you and I both experienced this for the first time on VHS, yeah. and it was all edited together into a movie-length version. So that cliffhanger's completely taken me by surprise. I, always, I never remember where they are, having watched it so many times as a movie version and do you know what they do as well i found on those um omnibuses that they brought out they very often do the reprise that's what they edit in so it's not the, mm. the cliffhanger it's the reprise so it's always the music from the reprise that i remember and when the music yeah. kicks in from like the original cliffhanger i'm like what's this well, like the first time I saw Pyramids of Mars with cliffhangers in, I was like, oh, what's going on here? You know? 